Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And that's the half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello everybody and welcome to Talking in Circles. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here with you tonight. It's We're recapping the Ticket Guardian 500 from ISM Raceway in Phoenix, Arizona. A race that was won by Kevin Harvick. His third consecutive win uh, became the first driver since 1992 to win three of the four, first four races of a season. And that was when Bill Elliott, who Bill Elliott actually won four in a row at the Daytona 500. So we'll see if Harvick can do that next weekend at Fontana. But uh, a, a, another win for Kevin Harvick at the ISM Raceway, his ninth career victory at that place, the 40th win of his career as a whole. Uh, he held off Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott. Um, you know, he didn't dominate today. It wasn't as dominant as what we saw at Las Vegas. It wasn't as dominant as what we saw at Atlanta. But at the end of the day, Harvick gets it done again, John. And uh, his third consecutive win, he was a driver on a mission. This week, uh, with the penalty that came out, he was very frustrated with with the penalty that NASCAR handed out to him. And this week showed on the racetrack that window bending or not, that four team is a, is a team to be reckoned with so far here in 2018. And uh, third consecutive win for Kevin Harvick at ISM Raceway. Yeah, you saw it whenever uh, Harvick did his media availability on Friday. He basically went up and down the inspection process to basically, I'm surprised he didn't get fined for it. Or if he did get fined, we're not going to hear about it. Um, It's something that, and he made it a point. As soon as he crossed victory lane, stopped, gave his crew high fives. He went and high fived where the window brace is to make sure everybody knew that the window brace was there and it was functional. And in his post-race interview, you could hear how driven he was. And, I mean, sometimes you've got Harvick. I mean, Harvick's on a three-race win, three win streak right now. And every now and then you don't poke the bear. And you've got the bear running great right now. And then you go and poke it again. That was just stupid. And you saw what they were doing today. They worked. They went through the field. He was meticulous about it. He didn't dominate the race like he has in Atlanta and uh, Las Vegas. Kyle Busch led the most laps today. Kyle Busch looked like he had a good shot at it. But Harvick was always there. And whenever push came to shove, Harvick made sure that he was there in victory lane. And you could tell going in, it was, I mean, I can almost, you and I were talking about things before the show. I could see Harvick going on a, this could be the season where Harvick, uh, makes him rethink how the chase goes and all the playoff points because he may get enough points during the regular season the way he's going that he may just go to the playoffs and walk himself home and perform again. And the, a positive sign for Harvick and the, and the best sign for this, obviously Atlanta, we only go there once a year, but uh, Las Vegas and Phoenix are both playoff races when we go there again here in the fall. So, you know, he he come out. He dominated Las Vegas. There's no doubt about that, and ran great today. He's, he's this is his best racetrack at Phoenix. No doubt about it. Wins again today. Um, so when it comes to the playoffs, you look at it and say he's gonna have the most playoff points, most likely. Um, and as of right now, 
uh, he loses the seven from last week, but I mean, Harvick is on a tear right now. And uh, Stuart Haas as a whole, you got to give him credit. I mean, look at him as a whole. We were, we were talking off uh, before the show. How about Eric Amarola this year? Stuart Haas racing in this race today at ISM Raceway. It's the first time in team history they've, they had all four cars finish in the top ten. Kevin Harvick was your winner. Boyer finished sixth. Uh, Eric Amarola was seventh. And Kurt Busch squeaked out a top ten finish. So all four cars finished in the top ten today. Um Amarola's had a good year so far this year. Boyer's done done decent, and, and Kurt Busch has had a lot more speed, I think, this year than he had a year ago. So, and, and we see what Harvick has. So, Stuart Haas Racing as a whole, they figured out this Ford. It took them a year to get their arms wrapped around this Ford, and everybody's chasing Stuart Haas Racing right now. As far as an organization, they're the most consistent team right now. Uh, team Penske was there for Ford last year. They were the banner team for Ford last year. Right now, the banner team for Ford is Stuart Haas Racing. Everybody's chasing them right now. I think Penske's right there. Um, I mean, you looked at the points coming into the race. One, two, and the points were uh, Joey Logano and Blaine because of Harvick's penalty. But, I mean, both Joey Logano has been the quietest um, driver this year. You haven't really heard much of him, but he's right there every time. Ryan Blaney's had his hot and cold spells, but he's been running great all season. So I wouldn't count Penske out and say Ford is Stuart Haas or bust. But I'll tell you, what a difference a year makes that they have notes on the car. They understand what the car is going to do when they put it in certain situations. And how big is it? I mean, you look, Billy Scott looks like a smart crew chief again with Kurt Busch. Billy Scott looked like a bumbling fool last year with Danica Patrick. How much difference is it now that Danica is doing workout videos and preparing for her final run at the Indy 500? How much difference is it in the Stuart Haas competition meetings that they have Eric Almirola providing information and Eric Almirola is running the top 15 every race this year and Danica Patrick providing info of what it's like to be 25th through 30th? Hey, I would say that uh, maybe not a lot, but with what you're hearing from the drivers and everybody's saying it's nice to have that additional information, it seems like a lot. 917-889-8280 here talking in circles. Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow with you. We're breaking down the Ticket Guardian 500 ISM Raceway today. Kevin Harvick, his 40th career win, ties Mark Martin on the all-time career win list. Kyle Busch finished second, a strong run for him. He led 128 laps. Usually not a great track for him. He's only won there once. He won there in his rookie year in 2005. Uh, but he led 128 laps today. Good run for him. Chase Elliott, another solid day for him. He was in third. Uh, we saw some nice things from him. He le- uh, he was up there, up up there battling. Uh, Denny Hamlin, a decent day for him. He finished in the fourth spot, led uh, 33 laps. Martin Truex Jr., uh, top five all day. But it's a different year for Truex. This is something we haven't really seen from this team. We'll dive into it a little bit later. But he's not dominating races. That belongs to Kevin Harvick so far this year. Clint Boyer, we mentioned earlier, was sixth. Eric Amarola, seventh. Daniel Suarez got his first top ten of the year in eighth. It was Eric Jones, ninth. And Kurt Busch, as we mentioned, rounded out the top ten. You know, an interesting day because I expected the Chevrolets, especially when you looked at qualifying and practice times, the Chevrolets to really show up and run very good. Um, Chase Elliott, we saw him run up front. Uh, Kyle Larson had a decent day early. He led 54 laps, but he ended up 18th. 
Um, a better day for William Byron. He finished 12th. Uh, Alex Bowman was 13th. Not an awful day. And Jimmy Johnson, a little bit disappointing for him. He finished 14th. You know, I expected the Chevrolets to go up there and really make a, a big push for this for this race. They didn't go out and do that again, John. It just shows you, I think, the power right now that Stuart House Racing has. Joe Gibbs Racing is sort of next. And then everybody else falls a little bit behind. You know, even Team Penske today, they didn't have a great run. They didn't end up great. Brad Keselowski was on a little bit of a strategy play at the end. He ended up 15th. Ryan Blaney didn't see a whole lot from him today. The car looked ill-handling for most of the day. He finished 16th, and Joe Logano finished the 19th spot. So a tough day for Team Penske as well. Um, really, Stuart Haas Racing and Joe Gibbs, really the teams to beat today. Yeah, it seemed like it. I mean, you look at the top 10, all four Gibbs Racing cars in the top 10, and all four Stuart Haas Racing cars in the top 10. Uh, then you had your Chase Elliott and your other outlier. But, I mean, it was a great day for Stuart Haas Racing. There's no doubt about that. Um, Clint Boyer and Mugger Ravage seemed like they're finally getting themselves. I mean, they had a year to get themselves together. I think Eric Almirola and Johnny Klontoffer, um, or whatever the hell his last name uh, is, the alphabet guy. Klausmeyer. But Klausmeyer, that's it. Um, I think Eric Almirola and John Klausmeyer, once they get the second time around, they're going to start contending for wins because right now they're just building a notebook. John doesn't know what Eric wants in a car, and Eric doesn't know what John puts in a car. And they're basically experimenting every race they go out there and pulling out top 15s every week. Um, Billy Scott looks like he's blending with Bush right away. And Bush is a great, he's a great driver to put with almost any crew chief. Because uh, Kurt knows the car as well as the crew chief does. And I think it's phenomenal the way they've blended together. I mean, it made Billy Scott look like he knows what he's doing. I mean, Clint Boyer was able to explain, hey, Billy Scott, was, he was a good crew chief for me back at uh, Michael Waltrip Racing. He's going to be good here. And when he ran with Danica last year, he looked like a bum. But this year, it's turned around. I mean, it's so weird the way the crew chief combo is with a driver. You look, Tony Stewart, No, I mean, he could drive any kind of car you can put your hands on. You put him with Chad Johnston, you'd think, okay, they're going to be great. They were great as friends. They got along really well. And Tony Stewart said the reason I wanted Chad to leave is because I didn't want to ruin his career. It just we didn't mesh together. On Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, Tony Stewart and Darian Grubb ran great together. Tony Stewart and uh, Greg Zipidelli ran great together. Tony Stewart and um, Steve Addington ran like crap. And Steve Addington ran great with Kyle Bush and Bobby Labonte. So it's just one of those, you have to find that magic between the crew chief and the driver. And the one we've talked about for the last however many years, Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss, right now you got to wonder where that magic is because they were out to lunch again today. They had yeah. their best race of the year last week, but they were pretty much out to lunch -ish all this year except for last week, and they came from tail end Charlie to finish 12th, and they kind of squeaked that one out. Yeah, listen, I have a shock today. I thought Phoenix, it's races like a short track. It's not a short track. It's a mile long. It races like a short track. It acts like a short track. I thought, okay. And, and you looked at where they qualified. I mean, uh, Jimmy Johnson in the first round put put it on a pole. Uh, he ended up starting seventh or fourteenth, starting seventeenth, excuse me. And you looked at it and you said, well, you know, 
they at least have some speed in that 48 car. Um, Alex Bowman qualified fourth. Chase Elliott qualified third. William Byron started 11th. So you looked at it and you said they all had pretty decent days in qualifying. So you expect to see some speed in the race. And Byron showed some, you know, he led 15 laps. He took two tires and, and got a strategy play to get up there. Um, and he looked okay at times today, but still, you know, 11th place, or 12th place for that car, you go, that can be a little bit better. Same thing with Bowman, who had a decent day. We saw him in the top 10 a little bit, um, but he ended up 13th. But Jimmy Johnson was his driver I was really surprised about. You know, it's not like him to go out there and run 14th, and he did that today. And, and I think, you know, they're a little bit perplexed here. I think there's, they're still learning with this Chevrolet, with this new Camaro, um, but a little bit definitely a little bit perplexed here if you're Hendrick Motorsports. Um, another team I think was a little disappointed with their runs so far this year is Martin Truex Jr. And I know you look at it, and I think he's probably third in the points right now if you uh, if we were to look at where he is in the points. He's had a, a very consistent season. He's got three top ten finishes. He's currently third in the standings. As I said, when you look at his finishes, he finished 18th at Daytona, fifth at Atlanta, fourth at Vegas, and fifth at Phoenix. But he hasn't led a whole lot of laps. He's led a total of 14 laps so far this season. The dominance of that 78 team, which especially at the mile and a half of Las Vegas last week and Atlanta the week before, I think we all thought he was going to go out and really, uh, you know, take a whip into everybody. Led three laps today. Um, a, a, a nice day for that 78 team. But you have to wonder if maybe this, e, uh, this new scanning system that they have for inspection is sort of throwing a 78, just a wee bit of a curveball, or is maybe it's Stuart Haas. Just Stuart Haas has improved that much to where the 78 can't uh, win races and dominate like he has in the past. So I know it's only four races old, and Schwicks is still having a very good year, but this was a team that used to go out and pound people, and they're not doing that right now uh, four races into the 2018 season. I think two of the things that kind of have um... – I listened to Cole Pern talk about it, uh, the practice yesterday in the fantasy racing show this morning. And Cole Pern basically said they were struggling in long runs. They had the good short run speed, which helped get them the pole. But in the long run speed, they were, I think, 17th in uh, final practice in the 10 lap average yesterday. So they were going to try to experiment. I think one of the things that has bitten uh, the Toyota cars and you know what is the mandatory of the, the way the splitter is this year. They were able to play with a little bit last year. The splitter has to be exactly as NASCAR determines it. You don't get to play with it like they did last year. I also think that Joe Gibbs might not be giving them as much. If I'm Joe Gibbs, I'm not saying, okay, here, you get everything we get, and you can kick our butt with it. No, I think Joe Gibbs is probably giving them, I mean, not as much technical information as they did. And I also think if you – you really think about it. You had that second crew chief over there working at furniture road racing. You had somebody for Cole Pern to bounce ideas off of now Cole and the team's out there on their own. Cause they're a one team, uh, a one car team. Um, Eric Jones may have given some driver feedback that could help Martin Truex. I think Martin did more given to Eric Jones than Jones did to him, but the second crew chief in there to have somebody to talk to bounce ideas off of whenever you're putting the car together out in Colorado I think that might have helped, and I think having that not having that second car hurts that. Yeah, I think you, you could be on to something there, no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, they did it the year before, too, though, with a, a solo corporation. It's just that 
it's interesting. I think you're you're definitely right on the splitter. I think those changes and they're, they're small changes, but I think those changes have had a lot to do with the 78 team. And, and who knows? Maybe when we get to Texas in a few weeks, uh, or even Fontana next week, this 78 team could take what they've learned here the first few races, incorporate it into their race cars, and all of a sudden they'll be back to where they were. Um, you know, that's very possible. But you know, when you look at the bottom end of the top 10, Daniel Suarez a decent day, Eric Jones a decent day for them, Kurt Busch, and I'll tell you, you know, we talked about it earlier and. I'd like to, uh, to to reemphasize it a little bit. You know, he's winning some stage races, got a next uh, playoff point today. Um, you know, he's winning some stages. He's doing a decent decent job there. I think the 41's got a lot more speed. He said for some reason, whatever reason, I guess he got off a little bit on adjustments. He wasn't as fast late in the race as he was early. But for the top 10, John, a, a positive day uh, for all those drivers in the top 10 and, and, a, and a, a nice job there. Um for Stuart Haas racing and really Joe Gibbs racing, you know, the only outlier was Chase Elliott in third. Everybody else was either Stuart Haas or Joe Gibbs racing. So uh, kind of a, a tale of two teams today over there at ISM Raceway. Yeah. And then you had Truex in there to fill out the other outlier because you had, I mean, unless you count Truex as a Joe Gibbs. I team. am. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I really think about, and it's one of the things that's really interesting. You remember Brad Keselowski last year, griping, and moaning, and complaining that Ford's a five-year-old body. I don't know what the heck they can gripe and moan complain about right now. They got their five-year-old body, and they're beating the one-year-old body of Toyota, and they're beating the brand-new body of the Chevy. I think the Ford hasn't put a new body on, but I think they put a hell of a lot more engineering and smart smart people behind it to help everybody get their hands around what they can do with a five-year-old car. Absolutely. I think it's it's certainly uh, – you know, I was worried about Ford getting in, you know, coming into the year, and – They've proved me wrong. As we go through the rest of the field here for a little bit of the field here in the Ticket Guardian 500, a couple other interesting storylines when you go 11th through 20th. Ryan Newman was 11th last year's winner of this race. They tried a little bit of a strategy play at the end of the race. It didn't really pay off all that much. He led 23 laps, but a decent run for Ryan Newman. He's 11th, the the banner driver over there at Richard Childress Racing this afternoon. We talked about William Byron. He was 12th. Another driver who went with a little bit of strategy, two tires there in the middle part of the race, got some track position, ended up 12th. A decent day. You know, when you look at a rookie driver, you say, I don't really expect them to go out there and, and win and run in the top 10. Just go out there and learn. And I think Byron had a huge education today. That's good for him. Alex Bowman in 13th, a decent day. I think a lot of people expected a lot from him today because last time he was here in the 88 car, he led a lot of laps. He was up front for most of the day. A 13th place run, not bad, uh, but a little bit disappointing, I think. And Jimmy Johnson, we talked about him earlier, 14th spot for him. Very disappointing day. Brad Keselowski was 15th in the Alliance Truck Parts for Roger Penske. He was the highest running Team Penske car today, highest finishing Team Penske car today. And 15th, they tried a little bit of strategy. Um, Not a great day for them. Ryan Blaney in the the 12 car, probably his worst race of the year so far, and 16th. Uh, that car just seemed very ill-handling for most of the day. You saw him slipping and sliding several times throughout the race. Uh, a little bit disappointing day for him. Austin Dillon, he finished 17th today uh, in the Dow Chemicals car. Not not a terrible run, but you know I think you kind of expect that's where Dillon's going to run right now. The head scratcher, one of the the big head scratcher of the day for me was Kyle, Kyle Larson in 18th. He led the first 54 laps of this race, was out was kicking everybody's tail. And then it just seemed like they got off on adjustments, him and Chad Johnson. So an 18th place run for him. 
Joey Logano was in 19th. Uh, disappointing day, no doubt. And Trevor Bain rounded out the top 20 uh, in, in Jack Roush's number six car. Um, what stands out for you 11th through 20th, John, today? Uh, like you said, it's Larson. Um, and Larson loves Phoenix. Being a midget driver and all that stuff, that's what, that's like where the turkey trot. They're, they're big midget race. I mean, you look at anybody who's come up through the USAC ranks, Tony Stewart, Ryan Newman, Jeff Gordon, um, Larson, they love Phoenix because that used to be their Super Bowl. And Larson gets around Phoenix really well. Uh, one of the things that kind of threw them for a loop today is they had the rain this morning, which washed the rubber off the track, so they had the competition caution at lap 35. But it was hotter today than it was all weekend out there. And you make it hot at Phoenix, it's going to make it slick. And Larson likes a slick track, but, I mean, it just was probably just a little too much for them today. I think they were just, like you said, a little bit off on the adjustments. I think if they got it <clears throat> excuse me, tightened up just a little wee bit more, Larson would have been back up there in the front. I think they were probably one jump behind everybody all day long. That probably cost Larson going for fighting for a win to finishing 18th. Yeah, and I think he got he lost his track position. You know, you had that little uh, crazy time in stage two where uh, I think there was a I can't remember who spun um, towards the end of stage two whether it was the 37 car. You know, he also, Larson also blew right a tire. We forget he spun blue right rear tire, left rear tire, I think it was. And that put him back there. Um, and he just was never really able to gain that track position back, uh, you know. And just a disappointing day, I think, for him. I think a lot of people had them, had him expected him to run in the top five, run in the top ten all day like he normally does. A little bit disappointing day, no doubt, um, for him. I, I think Team Penske, you know, they tried some things, but this isn't their best racetrack. And um, you know, Ryan Blaney said today before the race, you know, this isn't his best race track. He's tried to learn to be here. Ryan Blaney, I think all three Penske cars are going to make this chase. It, uh, I did it again. Going to make the playoffs this year. Um, but Ryan Blaney and, and the team Penske team have to figure out what's going on at Phoenix because they can't run like this in the playoffs and expect to advance and go on the homestead and run for a championship. If that's how they ran today. Um, they got to go back and, 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 you know, they got smart people over there. Go back to the drawing board and say, what did we do wrong here at Phoenix? I think they can do it, and I think next time they come here, um, it could be an improvement. But a tough day for Team Penske, no doubt about it. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on, on that in one bit. Um, one of the things you listened to Brad Keselowski talk yesterday, um, as a experienced cup driver with more than five years, uh, he can only run seven Xfinity races, and he chose to run Phoenix. And one of the reasons he chose to run Phoenix is he said, it's one of my, I'm not good here. I need to learn. I need to keep doing more to get better and get better. And he won the Xfinity race on Saturday. So people were hopeful that whatever he learned race. I think the difference is Brad was out front most of the race on Saturday and didn't have to deal with traffic. Unlike, today where he wasn't out front at all and had to deal with traffic and just could not get his arms wrapped around the track today. Yeah, no, I, uh, that was interesting. I heard those comments too. He qualified 25th as well. You know, so when you looked at it, you kind of said, gee, not a, not a great weekend. Um, but maybe he can, you know, put, learn, take what he learned and put it into his race cars next time they go there for the playoffs. Uh, but I just thought a kind of a disappointing day for team Penske as well. Uh, we talked about the Hendrick brigade, um, you know, I just think, John, with this Hendrick 
team in this Chevrolet. Um, I think we won't see an improvement from this team in the Chevrolets until we get done with the West Coast swing. They won't be back in the shop, everybody, at least, uh, and put their information into, into the shops and into these race cars until we get back from the West Coast swing after Fontana next week. Then I think you might see a little bit of a game changer. But right now, as it sits, uh, I think these Fords and, and Stuart Haas Racing and Kevin Harvick are the team to beat as, you, as we get ready to go to Fontana. Uh, what do you think about team uh, Hendrick Motorsports today? You know, they all finished in the top 15, which is a step in the right direction for them, but still not what, no, no, what we're used to seeing from a team that usually goes out there and really runs well. Actually, I think for Hendrick Motorsports, it's a above-average day. Um, Chase Elliott's about where he's been. Um, William Byron and Alex Bowman both are ran better than expected. I mean, Byron actually want, led laps, and it, you looked at him last week. He looked like he was a beaten kid. And yeah, you looked, looked at lost. him this week coming out of the car. Even though it was a strategy move to get him up front, he ran up front, he led laps, and he finished in the top 15. So he came out of the car this week much better place than he did coming out last week. The big disappointment still is the 48 car. And I don't know what's going on there, why it's like that. I mean, how much is how much are they missing Ron Malik? He's been the only car chief Jimmy Johnson's ever had in NASCAR. He was his car chief whenever he was running the 92 car in the Xfinity Series. He's been the only car chief Jimmy Johnson's ever had. And now he's got a new car chief. And this week, the car chief, or last week, the car chief got thrown out. So you wonder how much of a difference it is that Ron Malik isn't there as Jimmy Johnson's security blanket. You think yeah, Chad Knauss is the blanket, but it's more Ron Malik than Chad Knauss. That's a good point. Uh, there was a reason why Ron Malik stayed with Knauss all those years when he probably could have been a crew chief if he wanted to be at Hendrick Motorsports. Let me ask you this, and, and I'm not saying that I think there should be a move there at the 48 team, but I just want to know what you think on this. What will it take? Um, I don't think it's time to, to, to make a move right now. Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson, they, they love each other. They're, they, uh, I think they would both be very, very disappointed if a crew chief change was made there at that 48 car. But you're starting to hear rumbling some people inside the industry that, that, are, um, you know, that are very knowledgeable people saying, well, maybe it's time just to shake something up there at that 48 car. This hasn't just been a three-race quick, four, three-race you know, uh, disappointment here. It's been a, a pretty good year here where Jimmy Johnson, you know, his last win, uh, I think was almost a year ago at Dover. You know, this has been almost a year here where we're starting to see this 48 team not run that great. Uh, and that's scary for them because we're not used to seeing this from this team. What will it take, do you think, to shake up that crew chief? If you're Rick Hendrick and say, Okay, now it's time. Will they have to continue running like this through July? What are your thoughts on that? It's going to be it, – it won't change in the middle of the season. Um, I think it would be at the end of the season if they ever do something like that, and it would be where Chad goes and says, I want to come off the box. I think that's the only thing that could ever change the Chad and Jimmy relationship with pit bo- crew chief and driver. I don't. I mean, I know Rick Hendrick will make changes when he thinks so. Very rarely does he do it in the middle of the season. 
Um, he did last year for Casey Kane by putting Darian Grubb on the box, but that was to get ready for this year because Darian Grubb was going on the box for the twenty-five or for the twenty-four car with William Byron. But I don't. I, I, the only way I could see a change coming in the forty-eight camp is if Chad says I want to come off the road. That's the only way I see that coming because both of them are shooting for eight together. Nobody's done that. I mean, Dale Inman has won eight as a crew chief, but he did his eighth one with Terry Labonte. Uh, the way it is these days, the fact that you've been a crew chief together more than five years is kind of surprising. And they've done it all this time, and they've been successful all this time. I think part of it is they're learning the Camaro. I think part of it, and as Lee and Virginia said went Thursday night when we had our show, I think a big part of this is Jeff Gordon not being there. The more I list, the more I thought about what Lee said on Thursday night, Jeff Gordon was the glue that made Hendrick Motorsports go. Even though Jimmy Johnson won more championships than Jeff, once Jeff Gordon left, things have started to slip. How about the Rex Stump factor too, John? Um, you know, you have a, a guy who um, was working closely with Hendrick Motorsports at Stuart Haas Racing, and now is with the Ford team with with them at, over at Ford and not helping that team at all. Uh, do you think that might have anything to do with it? I'll tell you, Rex Stump is a chassis man. Uh, Rex Stump created the T Rex. Rex Stump um, was the chassis guy for Hendrick Motorsports throughout all the success of Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson. He was right there in the mix, making sure everything happened. And when Stuart Haas decided they were going to Ford. I guess Tony gave Rex more money than Rick Hendrick did, and Rex Stump decided to come to Ford and look at what, I mean, like you said, it took a year for the crew chiefs and the drivers to get their hands around what Ford can do. And you saw it at the end of last year. We both we both noticed the, the minute it happened was that spot in Texas where Harvick blew away Truex, passed him, and pulled away. And we said, boy, we think they found something. And boy, yeah. was that the turning point. And they've been yeah. on a rail since. Except, I mean, Homestead, they did not run as good as they probably could have. But they've been on a rail all year long. They really have. That was the turning point. I think you're absolutely right on that, John. No doubt about it. 917-889-8280. Clayton Cole, John Harlow, we're here with you tonight. Talking in circles. We're breaking down the Ticket Guardian 500 here at ISM Raceway today. Kevin Harvick won his third consecutive race this season and the 40th of his career. Um, going to break down the rest of the field here for you. We're going to give you positions 21 through 37. Uh, 21st position was A.J. Allmendinger. David Reagan finished 22nd. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 23rd. Casey Kane, 24th. Matt D. Benedetto finished 25th. 26th went to Jim McMurray. He had some issues today. That's why he was back there. Ross Chastain, 27th. Bubba Wallace, 28th. Chris Buescher, 29th. Ty Dillon squeaked out a top 30 30 today for him not a very good run at all for that 13 car dj kennington 31st michael mcdowell had some issues he ended up 32nd timmy hill 33rd greg golding 34th jeffrey earnhardt 35th paul menard crashed ended up 36th and corolla joy blue motor on lap 23 ended up 37th uh you know obviously a lot of those teams that we just touched on john you expect to run back there um any surprises as far as who finished back there from positions 21 through 37 today? Um, Menard running as bad as he did and 
uh, blowing a tire and wrecking. I think that was um, a surprise because, like you said, everything out of Team Penske has run great all year. And you had Brad, Blaney, and Joey run in the mid-teens and back. And then Menard did not run good at all. Uh, the one I feel bad for out of the bunch is Corey LaJoy. As we said, what we figured out, you figured out he ran, he's run 40 green flag laps this year before engines have gone. I mean, the guys, the, I mean, how bad is it when you're sort of hoping you could get back to BK racing? Yeah. Right. Because they've run more laps than that. And that's things, you know, he, um, obviously Cole Witt ran Atlanta and Las Vegas. So LaJoy wasn't in that uh, 72 car for TriStar Motorsports, but two, he, went, he ran that Daytona 500 and blew up uh, early in that race, and he blew up today early. I mean, that's a very, very disappointing season. I'll tell you a guy, John, who I was kind of surprised today, and I talked about Chevrolets, and I know they're getting their arms around the, the Camaro, but I thought they would perform better today, and that's Ty Dillon. Um, they got a new crew chief over there in that 13 car with Matt Borland. He replaced um, – oh, my goodness. I can't remember. They got Booty Barker. He replaced Booty Barker, who was there for a long, long time, a good crew chief. Uh, and I think a lot of people expected this 13 team to step up their game this year. 39th, 26th, 24th, and 30th today at Phoenix. Uh, Ty Dillon right now is 31st in the points. Uh, this is a team very closely as- uh, associated with Richard Childress Racing. Another tough day for Ty Dillon, you know, I just expected more from him so far this year. And again, a, a tough day again for him. I know Bubba Wallace had some issues. He didn't end up great either. And he's 19th in the points thanks to his second place run at Daytona. But um, this, this Ty Dillon to me was just a, a disappointing day again. And, and um, you know, kind of scratched my head and said, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would make the booty Barker move. Matt Borland's a great engineer uh, has a background with Ryan Newman from years ago, uh, but a very, very disappointing start to the season for Ty Dillon, no doubt about it. If you think about Matt Borland, and like you said, he's a hell of an engineer. Um, he was on the box with Newman whenever he first came into the sport and wore out his welcome and wound up at Haas and was the competition director over there. And then he became the lead engineer. And then he was working engineering between the NASCAR organization and the F1 organization. And for some reason he wanted to get back on the box and he was, I mean, after the early Newman run, Penske let him go because they were not catching the magic in the bottle. And he has not been successful since. I mean, fair, that's a fair, other fair than point. The, other than the early days with Ryan Newman, can you tell me the difference between Matt Borland and Drew Blick and surfer? Not really. I'd Not really. And and you bring up a great point because last year with Paul Menard, um, you know, Paul was all was very, very excited to get Matt Borland there. And they had a tough year in that 27 car last year. Um, and they ended up finishing 23rd in the points, and Paul left, obviously, for Team Penske this year. But I think a lot of people expected Paul Menard to finish a little bit better than he did last year. Now Ty Dillon's off to a slow start here this year. So, um not a bad point. 2013 with Ryan Newman, he won one race. They had 18 top 10 finishes, finished 11th in points uh, in 2013. That's that's when he came back, you know, and, and from 2002 to 2006, him and Ryan Newman won a ton of races together and were really, really good. But, you know, as you mentioned, he went to Michael Waltrip Racing, stepped out the box, became the competition director at Stuart Haas, uh, started running their F1 program, 
came back as a crew chief, um, hasn't had the same success he had earlier in his career. Um, so, hey, we'll see how we'll see how this season goes for him. Um, there's a lot more than just one person that's in charge of this race team. Um, but a, a tough start to the season, no doubt, for Ty Dillon's 2018. 917-889-8280. Talking circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here with you tonight. That's the number to get in touch with us tonight. Uh, Kevin Harvick was the guy, and, and let's listen to what Kevin Harvick had to say at the end of the race today here at ISM Raceway. I've been mad as all get out because this team does a great job, this organization does a great job, and we've got fast race cars. And, and to take uh, you know that away from, from those guys just really pissed me off last week. And you know to come here to a racetrack that is so good for us is a lot of fun, and, and everybody was just determined this week, and we just wanted to just go stomp them. We didn't stomp them, but we won. It's funny. Uh, I just read something on Twitter that Kevin Harvick said that Gil Martin, who was his crew chief, a longtime crew chief at Richard Childress Racing, used to intentionally get Kevin Harvick mad because Harvick used to, because he used to say Harvick would pick up, uh, you know, his time when he was angry, when he drove angry. He drove angry this week, John, no doubt about it, uh, and was strong, you know. And obviously, he was. Uh, there was no doubt. You could, by reading his comments, he was breathing fire. As somebody said on the broadcast today, uh, all week you could just. Kind of, he was like a volcano ready to erupt, and uh, he erupted today, and he, he really took it out on the race car. Here's part two of what Harvick said in victory lane. Yeah, I mean, this really felt more important than winning at Homestead uh, to race for a championship, just to uh, drive it home for all those supporters out there and all you haters. I see you. And there's he's talking about the haters and everybody on, on social media. There's no doubt this week was tough for Harvick. Uh, and I understand why he's frustrated in a way, but, you know, the perfect medicine and the perfect way to shut people up is to go out there and do what he did today, John. Yeah, I think so, without a doubt. And they'll go and tear it apart again on Wednesday this week. And it's something I listened to on uh, with Pat Patterson on the front stretch this week. I mean, he talked about a lot about it with drivers, um, some of the crew chiefs, some of the fans who called in and listened. Um, they were wondering – I mean, he basically posed the question, should the post-race inspection teardown at the R&D center cost anybody anything? And a lot of people have basically said, hey, they can, it's a traveling circus. You can put a garage in there and tear it down on site after the race and figure out what's going to happen. And if that's the case, I mean, if it, I look at it flat out, if it passes pre-race, if it passes post-race on the, brand new super duper inspection laser system that they created with all the video stuff and all the things they can do, it passes. If they find tear it down and find something, then you go back to it and say, okay, we caught you. Don't bring that back again. If you do, we're going to tear it down on the spot and we're going to hammer you. Yeah. See, and we talked about that on our show. Last mm-hmm. week on uh, t- on Thursday, we said you know that that's how I think the R and D center should be. Um, so a, no doubt it was a tough week for Stuart Haas Racing and Kevin Harvick. And here's Rodney Childers who doesn't get enough credit I don't think in this. We talk about Harvick, and there's no doubt Kevin Harvick, even at at his older age now, is one of the top five, if not top three, if not best driver in the sport right now. He is, I mean, right now as we sit currently. He's on fire, so he's probably the best driver in the sport. But 
Rodney Childers is a guy who doesn't get enough credit. He's been he's been a crew chief for a long time, and and this combination with him and Harvick has been phenomenal at Stuart Haas Racing. Here's Rodney Childers' comments at the end of the Ticket Guardian 500 today at ISM Raceway. No, it was really the, the the last four or five years. You know, they uh, they work their butts off day in and day out, and they just they don't take no for an answer. You know, they they keep fighting and fighting and fighting, and and um, just stay motivated. And uh, you know, we've had a lot of ups and downs over the years, but fortunate right now that everybody at Stuart Haas Racing is building us really good cars, and all the guys at the engine shop are giving us good engines, and everybody's just doing their job right now. Everything's flowing good, and uh, it was a battle today for sure. It was awesome seeing those guys race. It was like an old race. At Martinsville most watching those guys battle it out but um, you know it means a lot to be here in victory lane to have three in a row is, is just incredible it's something I've never even dreamed about so um, a lot of fun and uh, can't wait to go try for four next week what are your thoughts on Rodney Childers John I mean we we talked about Harvick and and he was successful at Richard Childress Racing but to me uh, this is Kevin Harvick right now in his prime and in the peak of his career uh I don't think we've seen him run as good as he has since he's gotten to Stuart Haas Racing, and Rodney Childers is a big part of that. I think one of the coolest things, and you watch how this has turned out, when Kevin Harvick decided he was going to leave Richard Childers Racing and go to Tony Stewart, he did it almost a year and a half in advance. He gave Richard a full year plus saying, hey, I'm not coming back. And Tony Stewart basically said, pick your crew chief. So Kevin had a year to go through the garage and see how everybody worked. And Rodney Childers, the year before he came to Stuart Haas Racing, was doing the 55 car where he had Brian Vickers in there and he had Mark Martin in there and he had everybody and their mother in there. And Harvick just noticed that Rodney Childers always had good cars. I mean, the 55 car was on the box was always performing well, no matter who was driving it. It was probably exceeding expectations every time out. And Harvick wanted Childers. And they actually got Childers ahead of time because they Walter made a switch, put Billy Scott in and sort of slid Roddy Childers out. So he's sitting there available. So him and Harvick had, I mean, Childers was already building cars at Stuart Haas Racing before Harvick even was able to get in. So whenever they did their first test together, they blew everybody out of the water. And it's been a perfect match since the minute they got together. And I think the year and a half to figure out what they were going to do, they built that team from the ground up. It wasn't like, here it is at the end of the season, we're going to switch the whole team around. They had a year and a half to build that team. And whenever they came out of the box, they came out of the box on a rail. And they've been great all five years together. Even last year, you think about it, they switched to Ford. They changed manufacturers. And it's a hell of a deal to switch manufacturers when you are running a Chevy in mid-November and you have to come out of the box in a Ford in February. You turn everything around, especially when the chassis don't fit the engines in the same spot. They had to totally revamp and cut everything up and put it together and be ready to go. They were behind all year. They were. And once they got it figured out, once they got it figured out, Kevin Harvick's been the best driver on the circuit since last October. It's really been remarkable to watch. And, um, you know, Childers, I remember when he was at Michael Waltrip Racing, he won a couple of races with David Ruderman. One was a range short and race at Charlotte. But they went and beat everybody over there at Chicagoland, too, on a mile-and-a-half track at Michael Waltrip Racing in that double-zero car a couple a bunch of years ago. And, and he had a lot to do with that win as well. So um, 
you know, he's no slouch. There's no doubt about that. He was handpicked by Ray Everham to be the 19 crew chief years ago. Um, so he's a smart, smart guy. No doubt about that. 917-889-8280. Something I want to, if you want to talk, anything you want to talk about today or this weekend at ISM Raceway, something I want to talk about before we break down the Xfinity Series race real quick. And I, I asked you this before the show, and I want to know what you think. Kevin Harvick's 42 years old, um, and he's 10 wins away from 50. Uh, there's no doubt the next, you know, uh, Kyle Busch is going to get to 50. But Harvick, I thought, I think in a lot of people's minds was sort of, well, maybe he might get to 50, but he's getting older. If he runs two more years, I mean, he's got to win 10 races a year. Eee. What are your thoughts on Harvick? Can he get, now that he's got three in a row here, can he get the 50 wins in NASCAR? I think when you think of Kevin Harvick, you may think he's 42, which he is. But Kevin Harvick didn't start at 18 like a lot of these guys did. Um, Kevin Harvick still has the drive in the race car. Kevin Harvick hasn't had a major injury. I think one of the things you looked at Tony Stewart, and I look at Kevin and Tony sort of hand in hand. Um, When you look at Tony, whenever he broke his leg in the sprint car wreck, that was the beginning of the end and they changed up the car on him before he, whenever he was coming back and he never really got his hands around it. And then, then the Kevin Ward incident happened and there was more time out of the car. I don't see Kevin Harvick taking time out of the car. I mean, you notice him and Delana planned their pregnancies to make sure it's in the off season. So the baby's already there and he's out doing what he does. And Kevin Harvick loves driving a race car and Kevin Harvick loves winning in race cars. And I don't see Kevin Harvick walking away anytime in the next two, three years. I could see him going 45 closer. I mean, see him going 45, 47, maybe even pushing 50, depending on how his performance is. I can see right now, he's at 40 wins right now. I could see him at 43, 45 of the year. The way that car's running, I could easily see him get another three to five wins this year. I mean, hell, they go back to Phoenix again. So there's one you can you can almost write in. It's almost like going to Dover for Jimmy Johnson. Um, I don't I don't rule it out. I think he's got a better chance at 50 than not a, than Jimmy Johnson has a chance of winning an eighth title. And like I said, as he's gotten older, he's gotten much more consistent, much more. He wins a lot more. You know, people forget, but there was a three-year period where Kevin Harvick won one race. 2007, 2008, and 2009, he won one race in that three-year period at Richard Childress Racing. Now, Richard Childress Racing wasn't where they needed to be. Um, but since he got into Stuart Haas Racing, he's second, eighth, third, and he leads the points right now. So, uh, And he won the championship in his first year there in 2014. So, listen, I mean, do we need to say more? I mean, he's just been fantastic. Um, and he, he's a great driver, and, and he's a, definitely a threat for the championship. Uh, I don't know when he's plans on retiring. You have to wonder if he's, you know, he's got to be. You can't not be having fun. That's the thing. <laughs> you know, he's. I'm sure he's having a great time going out there and beating everybody's brains in every week. Um, so that that's a lot of fun for you if you're in there. So right now, I'm sure if you ask him, he's probably like, I got 10 years left in me. Um, we'll see. But I do think he's going to get to 50. I think that was kind of a question mark entering the year because you weren't sure what Stuart Haas had considering what they ran with for most of last year. Um, but there's no doubt right now with what he, what's going on um, that he is 
you know, he could get to 50 wins. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, talking in circles, Clayton Cole, John Harlow, we're going to break down the uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series DC Solar 200 from uh, the, the ISM Raceway this weekend. Uh, just a quick recap. Brad Keselowski was your winner. Justin Allgaier finished second. Kyle Busch was third. Christopher Bell fourth. James McMurray in his first Xfinity Series race in five years. He finished sixth was Daniel Hemrick. Matt Tift, seventh. Cole Custer was eighth. Elliot Sadler finished ninth. And Tyler Reddick rounded out the top ten in the Xfinity Series race. Um, Keselowski, as you said, mentioned, as you mentioned, ran that race to learn a lot. But I give a, I got to give a guy a call here. Uh, I like seeing Xfinity Series regulars run really good. And I think Justin Allgaier, there's some races Allgaier where he just shines and he, and he runs really good. And I would love to see what Allgaier could do and, and good equipment in the Cup Series because I think he could win some races. Uh, he's, in, he's in great equipment in the Xfinity Series, and he runs with these Cup guys. He finished second this week, uh, won a stage, did a great job, led 76 laps this week. Uh, Justin Allgaier, he impressed me a lot this weekend, no doubt. Yeah, Justin Allgaier always impresses me. He uh, was a Penske development driver and just didn't make the cut. And then whenever um, H. Scott Motorsports came along and they got they went to the Cup Series, he ran good for Harry Scott in the uh, Xfinity sp- Series, and Harry Scott brought him to the Cup Series, and it just wasn't there because Harry Scott basically did not put the effort into the Cup Series. He did the Xfinity Series. But he went back to Junior Motorsports. He's been in the Final Four every year. I mean, both the year they had, two years they've had the playoffs. He's been in the Final Four both times. He's run great for Junior Motorsports. He has a solid sponsor in Brandt. And surprised that somehow, some way, he doesn't find himself a decent cup ride. But the problem is anymore, unless you're 18, 19, 20, and you're able to back up the Brinks truck to somebody, you're not getting a ride. If Justin Allgaier, who is a solid Xfinity driver and could be a solid cup driver and decent equipment, but if you're Justin Allgaier, look at, you're looking in the mirror, you're saying, damn, I really want to do this, but I look over to my left, I see Matt Kenseth is, he won in the, the fall race at Phoenix, and he was in the top 10 points last year, and he's sitting over there on the recliner waiting for Aaron Rodgers to go to spring practice. Yeah, it's got to kill your morale whenever you're wanting to go to the top level, but you're not going to make it. So you might as well make the most you can at AAA. No doubt about it. And and I think um, when you look at what he's done in Xfinity, he's done it a lot. You know, he's done everything but win a championship. And I think he can. He's definitely a favorite to do that this year. Um, something else in the Xfinity series I want to talk about that I've noticed is is it time to say? And I know it's early in the year; we're only four races in. But is it time to say that Joe Gibbs Racing's dominance in that series, they've kind of had a stranglehold on this series, winning a lot of races, no matter who was in their what car. Is it over? I mean, Kyle Busch can only run seven races this year. He's run two already, 14th at Las Vegas, third yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday in the Xfinity Series race. He led 39 laps. But third, we haven't seen Joe Gibbs Racing really go out this year and perform the way they have. My question is, it has the composite body changed this up a little bit? The new scanning system changed Joe Gibbs Racing up a little bit? You mentioned the, the front splitter. Has that changed the game for them in the Xfinity Series? Because Kyle Busch has done well, but he hasn't gone out and completely dominated and, and run off with these two races he's been in. And I think if you told people that, especially at Vegas 
and here at Phoenix, which are tracks that he runs pretty decent at, um, you would sit there and you'd say, that's kind of a surprise that we haven't seen really Kyle Busch go out there and just run away with them uh, like he has in years past. I think part of it is um, there's only so much they can do. I think they're backing off some with their Xfinity program, um, especially when you got Kyle Busch only able to run seven races. And you've got somebody who's getting the car ready for 27 other races with a driver not named Kyle Busch. Setups and everything they do for Kyle compared to the drivers they're going to have in that 18 car, whatever Kyle Busch isn't in there. I think they're putting a lot of focus on Christopher Bell, who's run well this year. I mean, he's eight points out of the lead in the Xfinity Series standings. Um, I think the focus is on Christopher Bell, and everything else will happen as it does. I mean, sooner or later, Kyle Busch is going to win an Xfinity race. I mean, it isn't that the dominance of Joe Gibbs isn't there. It's just I don't think they've they've meshed with Kyle Busch yet this year. There's going to be a race here soon where they click on all cylinders, and Kyle Busch is going to blow the field away by 15 seconds. It just happens. I just uh, yeah. think right but, now it's not there yet. No, it's not. And and uh, even Christopher Bell, you know, he's run good. He's won some stages. Uh, but we haven't really seen him go out there and lead a lot of laps so far this year yet either. It's very early in the year. There's still a lot of races, 29 races to go in the Xfinity Series. But I found that a little interesting as well. I'll give you the, the rest of the field in the Xfinity Series here real quick. Um, Brandon Jones was 11th. Kaz Grala 12th. Ty Dillon 13th. Disappointing run for him. 14th, uh, Spencer Gallagher. Ryan Truex 15th. Austin Sindrick 16th. Michael Annette. Disappointing run for him. And 17th, 18th, Ryan Reed. 19th, Ross Chastain. Jeremy Clements 20th. J.J. Uh, Yaley, Alex Labby, Dylan Lupton, Joey Gase, Ryan Sieg, B.J. McLeod, Tommy Joe Martins. Garrett Smithley, Josh Williams, Spencer Boyd, your top 30. Then it was Stephen Light, Josh Balicki, Vinny Miller, Timmy Hill, Mike Harmon, Chad Fincher, Morgan Shepard, Matt Mills, David Starr, and Jeff Green. Uh, that rounded out your Xfinity Series field. Uh, what did you think this weekend at the racing for the racing at ISM Raceway? You know, we heard Rodney Childers' comments uh, this today in Victory Lane about racing really hard. We saw there, there was a time when Harvick. Uh, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch were racing and, and they were th- basically all three were in this, you could put them under a blanket. They were running in the same spot. Kyle Busch eventually got around, got around Hamlin, took the lead. Um, it was some good racing. It, it was hard to pass. No doubt at ISM raceway today. What do you think of the racing all weekend here at ISM raceway? I think Phoenix has always been a decent track. I mean, you have to make your hole where you can, um, especially when it's hot and slick, like it is, you, are fighting to find grip wherever you can. And it just wasn't there today. And when you don't have grip, I mean, it's tough to pass because you just don't have, have the drive coming off the turns that you need to get your pass taken care of down the straightaway. The one thing I'm looking forward to after seeing the racing today is how this is going to work in November when they turn the track around. The start finish line is going to be at the end of turn two. And the straightaway is the backstretch. So, I'm wondering how many pileups we're going to have coming out of turn two, getting to the start finish line. That should be an interesting uh, debacle. And how many people are going to get uh, black flagged on the opening lap whenever they're getting ready to go green. And once they, if they go green and everybody dive bombs into the, uh, in the dog leg and see how crazy that gets. So I'm looking forward to see how it turns out in uh, November, whenever they flip the track around. 
Yeah, and that's gonna be. An, I mean, they're not, they're not making any other changes to Phoenix other uh, ISM Raceway. Other than that, um, but it's still gonna make, like you said, on restarts, can make things a very very interesting um, because you know you, you can't change your lane until you get to the start finish line. So yeah, it's gonna change a lot of things up uh, as far as the restarts are concerned at ISM Raceway. Uh, I kind of like it when you see drivers pass each other, but it was fun to watch. No doubt about it today. Um, and there were some comers and goers track position was, was, you know, uh, still a premium, but that's everywhere nowadays. It seems like, um, so we'll see, uh, next week. The one thing it makes it tough with the one thing it does make it tough with this track. Clayton is it's so fast. It's 312 Mm -hmm. miles. I mean, they could actually run this race on three pit stops. So, it makes it interesting to see how they end up doing it because it's so short. So every, it's not like you can pace yourself like you do at a 500 mile race or a 400 mile race. You've got to be on, you've got to be up on the steering wheel right off as soon as the green flag drops and trying to make positions. Because if you're sitting there waiting for something to happen, you're end up in 25th place. No doubt. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. Um, and listen, I just think uh, it's an interesting racetrack. What I like about Phoenix is that there's not any other place like it. You know, it, it's it's a unique racetrack. Um, there's multiple lanes at times you can pass. So uh, as far as multiple lanes at times and when everything's right, you can pass. It was hard today, no doubt. Um, but I like Phoenix just because it's it's a it's a game changer. It sort of runs like a short track as well, so that's kind of cool too. Um, we're going next week to Auto Club Speedway, and obviously we're gonna have a uh, a more detailed talk about uh, Auto Club Speedway and, and preview of that race coming up on our show on Wednesday night. But what are your thoughts? You know, uh, a track that's that's worn out a little bit, um, and a track that's put on some decent racing here in the last couple of years. It's the only time we go to this racetrack, big, wide, two-mile track. Going to be a lot of drafting, bumpy on the back straightaway. Uh, what are your thoughts for the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series here going to Auto Club Speedway? On the Cup Series, I mean, it's still Harvick until somebody knocks him off, but I think if there's any place they can knock him off, it will be this one, and it would be either Kyle Busch or Kyle Larson. Possibly, you don't have to use as much brake and throttle response like you do at um, the shorter tracks that Blaney sort of struggles at. I think Kyle Busch loves uh, California. I think uh, Kyle Larson loves it because he can run up, up against the fence and be happy as can be. Uh, it's a multi-lane track. You'll be able to go all over the place. I mean, you'll probably see Har- Harvick be a bottom feeder. You'll see Larson up against the wall, and you see Kyle Busch bouncing between the two and trying to find a ma- way to make the middle work. So I think right now going into the race, it's between the way it sits right now. I go Larson, Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick are the three to watch, and Blaney's going to be your sleeper. Yeah. Oh, listen, I think Ryan's done a good job this year. Disappointing day for them today, no doubt, but uh, – it happens. You know, it's racing. That's what it's all about. You can't win. Not everybody can win three races in a row. Congratulations to Kevin Harvick, Stuart Haas Racing. We've seen them really have a great start to this season. Uh, can they keep it up at Auto Club Speedway? We're about to find out here and next week. Um, a, a fun race, a fun weekend at ISM Raceway. Um, we thank everybody for listening to Talk in Circles tonight. We, are, we break down this race every week. We break down these races in the Cup Series and Xfinity and Trucks. 
uh, if they're around. We won't see them until after Martinsville. We do that every week on Sunday night. Wednesday nights, we give you a preview. I'll talk about the news of the day as well. So like us on Twitter, like us on Facebook if you liked what you heard today. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here with you. We'll see you Wednesday night on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.